what I think any creative person can do is just bring your personality to the table. Like that's the only thing you really need is to have a really good disposition and bring an interesting perspective. That's as a creative, as a producer, as an editor, as any component in that creative process, like there's no, why does like, there's no real faucet for creative ideas, right? It doesn't only come from a CCO or an art director or a copywriter or, you know, it comes from everywhere. All right, welcome back to Step Into the Sandbox. We're here with Gus Gomez, who I've known for quite a while. Actually, our parents have known each other since before we were yeah. born. Yep. Yep. Uh, Gus is a senior integrated producer at RBB Communications. Is it Communications? It's stuff? Communications. That's, that's what we do. Correct. Communications. Correct. He formerly worked at the community, an ad agency, and has been a producer and worked other roles over the years. But I'll let you introduce yourself so that people can get to know you. I mean, you pretty much got it. Uh, the only thing is uh, I got I got type 1 diabetes as well. And, yeah, like you mentioned, I before I did agency work, I, I worked as a freelance producer, director, and editor. And I got to work on some of the coolest uh, coolest projects, honestly, as a freelancer. I've been grateful, like, and, and throughout my kind of career, it's dumb to call it that, but... I've been always like around people that were willing to give other people opportunities. So I was like David Vargas at Penelican gave me my first role on a set. And through that, I met awesome DPs like Feeney, uh, a great editor and David Marin, like all these core groups of people that I've been, just been working with my entire life. I met on my first set and it's, you know, it's, it's changed the way that I work and the way that I approach work. Um, yep. Having that kind of, mentality and I, and I feel like it's you know every town has it um, but like Miami you know it's always been special to me especially in work because um, it's allowed me to explore both like you know what what it means to be a general market producer versus what it means to be you know a, a Latin American or Hispanic producer yeah, that absolutely. duality is interesting you know it's interesting because you know it either makes you better at what you're doing or it kind of like you know, whatever whatever that means, it dictates the way that you approach work, which I think is cool. Cool. And we already kind of got the idea that you're born and raised here in Miami. Yeah. Uh, have you lived in any other parts of the country over your so, career? So, I mean, never lived. I always worked out of Miami's headquarters. I think what, what's been interesting about the role that I've, like, that I've had, just even from when I started to where I'm at now, is, like, the opportunity to travel, especially for long periods of time, is always there. Um, you know, there have been projects where I've worked, you know, four or five months uh, in, a, in another state, you know, and then come back home to Miami or what whatnot. But but yeah, I always consider Miami headquarters. It's like kind of it's a little special to to me. You know, it's like got, it's not only about the family, but it's like the only place <clears throat> that I felt kind of comfortable in the in like the Hispanic culture. Uh, I just like I love. I love the fam and I love the the vibes here. I think like there's no town that that beats it. Got it. Yeah. I mean, I I obviously agree with that, and I feel like there's just the multicultural aspect to it, kind of keeps it interesting and makes it very unique uh, to any city or state, you know, like across the country. But what I really want to get into is understanding a little bit more about your role mm -hmm. and your craft. Yeah. Uh, we like talking about the creative process here, so I, I I'd like to dive into the producer role and what it's like for you to 
how'd you get into it in the first place? And yeah. then kind of a little bit about your day to day. Yeah, it's a, it's a it's a great. I mean, like I think it's you know when I was growing up, I never and and when I got like hit with um with the idea of what I wanted to do was never to be a producer, right? I always um you know grew up I was growing grew up watching films all the time and like watching Indiana Jones and Star Wars like everybody else on VHS. <laughs> and I remember there was a point where I was watching. Oh, it's like so annoying that I'm going to say it, but Empire Strikes Back, the best one. And uh, and I just remember seeing it and feeling like, oh, sh- like somebody made that. And I, I don't know what that means, right? So then I started investigating it myself. Like, what does it mean to make a film? And through that, I, I found that I was really, really interested in, in creative visuals. So when I started, I, that was my intent to be, you know, a director of photography like Roger Deakins yeah. or, or any of the, you know, any of these like fantastic DPs, you know, as I continued working in Miami and other states, you know, I saw the, the amount of talent everywhere. Right. And not only in the U S just like everywhere, there's so many talented people like DPs and whatnot. So I was like, not, not to say that I was like, Oh, I'm not going to make it in that. But I was like, I figured at that point that what I really liked was the creative collaboration of making things. Right. So that's what, that's what led me into being a producer. I joined a, a, you know, a company out of Fort Lauderdale and helped them build out a, a production studio where we were shooting almost every day. Um, and in that, that was pretty much my first kind of experience as a producer for, for an agency, if it was an in-house agency. Um, and I realized at that moment that like, shit, I actually love it. And thinking back, you know, when I was a kid, my mom, seeing that I was interested in creative gave me a book on like what it means to be a producer I immediately saw it I was like this is boring I don't want to do this uh. forget <laughs> it and uh and then end up being like it's, it's the shit I really like doing you know it, it's it's for me it's always been about making cool stuff in whatever capacity that that is and I've, I'm like one of those people that really just likes to get my hand in everything which I think is what a producer a really good producer does right it's understanding creative it's understanding the the client's needs, you know, and it's understanding the entirety of the of the uh, the holistic picture to be able to execute against what everybody wants, yeah, you know, and and you know different tiers you have to deal with like different levels of egos or you know different types of personalities. There's talent involved. There's a lot. There's a lot. You know, once you get into like production, production, like the prep work is super important. You know, some people hate it. It's really, really. I mean, you have to be detailed. As you're talking about, you know, you could be shooting uh, outside of the U.S. You have to plan for logistics. When we were shooting outside of the U.S. for, you know, for a project, there were, we, were sh- we were shooting through COVID. So imagine you have to coordinate talent. It's a three-day shoot. You have the director is based in Spain. He can't travel out because of the... So it's like all of these pieces you need to kind of help wrangle and make sure that the job gets done to the client's specifications. In that process of mm-hmm. getting to build a production from the ground up, have there been elements to it that you realize, I love this part of it and I want to keep doing more of this, and then as well as the parts that you hate, you, yeah. you know, want to separate yourself from? Yeah, I mean, like, my big thing about, um, well, I, the my most enjoyable, like, the most enjoyable part of my job is, is getting to speak with people, right? And, like, I, f- I figure myself as, a, as somebody that's, like, just overall okay or pretty good at just having a normal conversation being a human being and i think that's like the one element that is missed a lot in in any work is just like that that kind of hey remember that we're all just like here 
and we're like ultimately we're not doing any type of surgery we're making you like a piece of material like you know like approaching it in that way and just being like a human being i think is like the one thing that i bring to the table that i think is nice um but one thing that i've you know don't like and i think this is only my experience with it is post when i get into post i i figure like i find that i end up losing a little steam because those projects i mean you're talking about three or four months of production right so you're talking about two two months of prep you're shooting then you go into post and then you got to deal with that post schedule not to say that isn't like exciting because a lot of cool stuff happens in post but that's when i feel like people get creative ideas that should have been had two months ago and it's like well we didn't shoot for that stop having that idea yeah and it's you know it's where a lot of things can go wrong right in post when when like everybody starts having those opinions but i think like again the challenge is always navigating those waters and and getting whatever like that result is sometimes it's good sometimes it's bad um but that that to me is my least favorite part i like finding the talent that's right for the role right yeah and that's my favorite part about producing this is is allowing for opportunity because when you work especially when you get up different tiers of of you know agency worlds or whatever you know people know the the big time directors obviously they're great but you know why why not x like why not give opportunity to this person they bring x y and z to the table like for me that's always been the coolest part is like finding the best pieces of the puzzle so in piecing together the teams that are the rightest fit for the project um have there been some standout talent or standout collaborators that you've worked with that you feel have carved your path in your career you know help you learn more i mean like i said at the top like i've always been you know lucky to have been surrounded by people that gave those opportunities um to me i you know somebody that like honestly gave me the first opened the first door was david vargas um he's a director that works now in animation um and has been doing that for quite some time now in in, in la and and like i said i think you know he really opened my eyes and 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 not only did he like give me the opportunity? He like took the time to show me everything, right? And when you're talking about getting on a f- your first set, like I was nervous as hell. I didn't know anything. You know, film has all the lingos that like makes you feel excluded if you don't know them. And David went to film school, and I didn't. And I just knew that I wanted to do something. And he was like, "Yeah, come out and like you know, PA a music video." And and like from that moment. I was absolutely in love with being on a set. And part of that is like, I, I like making real time decisions. That, that's why I don't like post. Yeah. Because when, when you're on a set and there's an issue, you have like five minutes to figure out how to get out of it. And I like that. I don't like, like, oh, why don't we take a day or two days to think about it? Like, we don't need that. You know, yeah. this is stuff that's been planned. So, yeah, they, like David Vargas, I, I give a lot of credit to. Same thing with with like David money, a lot of David's in my life (laughs) sitting. Yeah. So it's like, um, you know, and, and and honestly, you know, when I, when I was at new you creative in in Fort Lauderdale, Matt, Matt Schwartz, who worked at MTV before also gave me a ton of running room to be creative, to, to hone my skills as a shooter, uh, as a, as a, you know, post producer, I, I owe a lot to the experiences that I got early on, um, that set experience having to, do a lot of the stuff yourself and there's no better way to learn than just doing it right yeah. so i mean those guys i give a ton of credit to and then you know later on in my career at the community of course like Lori and danielle and ramon i mean all the leaders that i worked under at the community 
were like fundamental to to my growing as a as a as a top tier you know producer and mm-hmm. not to say that i am because i'm not i'm just like some joker from hialeah but like they <laughs> hone my ability to make quality creative i you know and what i what i think any creative person can do is just bring your personality to the table like that's the only thing you really need is to have a really good disposition and bring an interesting perspective that's as a creative as a producer as an editor as any component in that creative process like there's no why does like there's no real faucet for creative ideas right it doesn't only come from a cco or an art director or a copywriter or you know it comes from everywhere like looking out the window you have a thought and that's that yeah and there's two things that that brings to mind from what you just said which one is your path it seems had a lot to do with learning on the job and learning in the field as opposed to learning in a classroom or Mm -hmm. learning in the academic environment so would you say that you a majority of of your training has been just outside of of school outside of yeah totally i mean i i i did study it's like interesting because i i studied (laughs) studied advertising at fiu um and i've had some really great professors uh while i was there but i was really interested in always like a creative out output so like when i was at fiu i studied to under the creative advertising track to be an art director because i really loved illustration um when i when i completed that and i was like i don't an art director that seems like so lame to be stuck in a freaking thing having people yell at you because you they think you have bad ideas and like at the end of the day it's all subjective dude like there are people that like everything your idea probably somebody will like it and i hated that kind of like that like that relationship with having a creative idea like i always hated it i always hated people like having not not to say that your opinion is wrong but like to be combative about it I, i never really wanted to have my creative you know juices be in that world so like i said after that yeah i I learned pretty much everything on set like i didn't learn any of the film stuff they didn't have a tv course they didn't have like a film course um so yeah i learned everything by doing it um they had like one they had one final cut program that i like (laughs) learned but i was like at that point i had already known how to cut yeah so yeah i mean everything it's, it's it's due to like hustling and trying to find opportunity and like i said super grateful for the people around got it and in terms of your process and, and how you gather your inspiration, I think that a lot of creatives, even whether it's production, whether it's design, uh, writers, they have a ritual or they have some sort of method that they like to use. Mm-hmm. Is there any kind of ritual that you've built over the years that you felt works for you when it comes to approaching a project? That's an interesting question. I mean, like my, my big thing is, um, and one thing that I got taught very early on is like, the key to being useful is to have really good ears, right? Uh, so that's really the only thing I bring, like at the onset of a project. I don't. I'm not like a really ritualistic person, and I don't really have like something that I do every single time. But something that I find very interesting is like the people that have success listen well, right? And it's about like understanding every point of view. Um, you know, depends on what exactly the project is, right? There's as a producer, you could be working as part of an agency. You could also be working as part of the production, right? Uh, production house, and in that role, you're a little different. Yeah, becomes more more tactical. So, <clears throat> I think it's just about hearing everything um, and and letting it digest. Like giving the giving yourself the opportunity to not like spring into action because you feel like you need to spring into action. It's about listening, processing, and then making the right decisions based on those things. And 
And like I've always been, I've always tried to be um, one of those producers that that doesn't only check out like, oh, these are the top like directors doing this. Like I've always looked at weird stuff. Yep. Like, oh, this is a really interesting visual director, and maybe we can bring his skill set to this project because we're doing X, Y, or Z. So it's like, you know, I'm a big uh, consumer of media. Like I would say in every form. Like and and I've been so impressed just the last like three years, four years, honestly since Vine. Like every everything that I see like I don't have it's like a no judgment thing. I just look at it, you know? Yeah. And like there's interesting bits of how people change the way that we're as advertising uh, advertising companies or producers or creatives are making content. You know, like we like we're pulling from them and, and to like like I just like sitting for an hour and just like absorbing all that yeah i think it's interesting how at least in advertising and i've seen in content creation specifically that uh there's been this whole movement for you know obviously you can't deny the influencers and how they've kind of like creeped their way into the conversation of you know certain brands believe that they need to align with certain influencers and then user generated content right like the average person shooting something at their house yep but then obviously it's now all being orchestrated so it's becoming less but i feel organic. like yeah that's that's the big key though i think like why it's so good is because they do it out of the passion for it and like where big advertisers uh, advertisers fail is because they don't it's like monetizing something that's happening right now and that's like the biggest bullshit in the industry like that's that was my like i, I hated that the most of working in any part of the creative it's like oh well they're doing this let's do this or like oh this person's really big on instagram it's like dude that's not even the right like choices you're just monetizing people's peaks and like that that's you know i like i have a jaded perspective about creative especially in in, in when you when you kind of like try to monetize it you know like i try to i mean it's like total hypocrisy because i do the same thing every day but it's like one of my challenges like that's my big like that's what i don't like about any of it it's like you know you should approach things as as organically as possible and try to you know and try to keep it that way but you know when you're working at those levels it's not gonna happen yeah i think it's just it, i almost have to reframe it when it comes to a client or someone that you know, we're working on a project with it's like when they want to suggest uh something along the lines of well, we know that, you know, posts with kids in them, with dogs in them, with coffee in them perform better just because of some data that we found online. And it's like, okay, well then, are what are you trying to optimize for? Are you mm-hmm. trying to do this for vanity metrics? You just want more likes? You want more comments? Mm-hmm. Sure. I, I don't know how that helps your bottom line <laughs> or I don't know yeah. what, you know, what your end goal is other than these things that are going to give you a dopamine hit. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think it just, it's a matter of reframing because there's a lot of trend chasing and a lot of yeah. like this vanity metric uh put put on a, me- a pedestal mm-hmm. that uh, i think that those are the challenges that we face on totally. the creative side you know dealing with clients totally and not only that i mean like there's there are companies that do that well right like they they are monetizing on these cultural moments but they're doing it in such an organic way that it becomes really cool yeah. right there are right ways of doing it um and it's just about continuing that style of of work because not only is it going to be successful because it's original and or and and something that an audience could actually like, it's tangible. It becomes more tangible than than watching another rerun of the commercial you saw thirty times where they're telling you where to go find your car or like yeah. you know, like what like honestly TV commercials don't even work anymore. So why are we even making them? Yeah, like I, I, I there's so many like, this is like 
like looking at the advertising, you know, so I don't know anything about it either. It's like, again, I'm sort of joker from Miami, but I, I, I don't like, I have like a, yeah, I have a weird experience with advertising, I think. Yeah. I, one thing that we've been learning, and I think it's more exciting for us, is that instead of like building up for this huge campaign that's going to launch as a TV spot, mm-hmm we work a lot in the social space and running social ads and we can test a lot more with smaller spends Mm -hmm. and also actually test if there's any uh gravity to that piece of content or or that idea or that messaging that we wanted to test out so i think that that's put us in a position where it's less about cool we're not going to spend three months trying to do this just to launch and see if there's results down the road we can test it right now and see if there's anything associated with it and now we go back to the drawing board or or we know which what works and what doesn't yeah I mean, yeah, no, dude, totally. I mean, it's, and and this, and again, I I kind of feel like I've come come across like a jerk off, but like, <laughs> you, like I I de- like some of the best work I ever did was working through through the agencies. Like, I got to do really cool projects, and that's because of the collaboration with the creative department, the freedom that they gave me to to bring on the the right choices for the roles, the 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 courage that the client had to trust us mm-hmm. to do these wacky ideas. Like, it all has to work. For it to be really good, yeah. And when one of those things is like splinters off, correct. And I did the fart again. I'm so happy. <laughs> um, when one of those things just splinters off, like good luck trying to catch it. Yeah, yeah. It's a it has to train. be a right fit for yep. sure. I mean, sometimes you have a client that allows you to be creative and gives you the reins. Other times you have to be a little bit more restrained. And it, mm-hmm. it I feel like the creative suffers. Yeah, but, but in no world do you do any of those experiences, even if they're awful in the moment. They're all building blocks for like how to make you a better version of whatever you're doing like if you come across a really challenging client you have to figure out how to navigate that and that'll prep you for the next one Um, that's just the truth dude like there's no experience that's at the end of it like could be challenging could be awful could be like the worst project of your life but at the end of it you're gonna come away with something yeah Yeah. like it be that you know experience or, or, or skill or a different perspective Something that I wanted to get into because it's kind of like drawing from your inspirations. Like, what are some hobbies and what are some things you do outside of work? Yeah. So, I mean, I, again, I got the, the greatest, uh, I, I do every day for work what I really like doing. Um, and that's being around film and cameras and shooting and, you know, whatever. So, like, my hobbies outside of that are shooting photos, shooting creative videos, right? And also playing music. Uh, I think, like, you know the, the like I said, the greatest gift that I got is the, the like the faith in, in the people that I got around me to do those creative things and the trust that I have from from the people around me to do those at work. Super grateful for that. But outside of work, I continue that stuff. Having to like you know work, finish work, and being able to do that on the side, like for any project, like cool music videos, really interesting short films. You know, like one of the things that I did was I bought a French Super Sixteen. Because I never shot on film before, nice. and I rebuilt. Like I took it, took it apart. There was a battery issue. Rebuilt it. Sent it to some dude in like where he was in like Ohio, but he used to like silence the RE 35s to roll sound with them. So I had him redo it as well. He sent it back to me. I shot like experimental stuff. I have a lot of projects that like no one will ever see. Cool. Just because I do them for the outlet and for the the, the sake of the. Of the, the expression, yeah. yeah, and and it was really like now as I kind of just keep doing it personally, like it because it's less about doing it for for like you know oh I got to put this on Instagram because if I don't put it somebody's not gonna like the picture and then I won't get an opportunity. Like now it's just like oh, this is my creative thing, like 
and it's mine and it, like I'm not going to show you yeah. anything because it's like an expression for me and I don't feel like there's a need to monetize things like you know I, I had a whole photo project um, that I shot on film it was like 120 backs and 35s that I just followed like homeless people in downtown Miami just sat like chatted with them and, and like just shot photos like we would eat lunch or go there you know in the afternoons or whatnot. And it's just like this really beautiful kind of like photo journal of a moment in time with people that I got really close to. And that's like they're sitting in in spools in my refrigerator. Right. Um, But I feel like the romanticized idea for me of that experience is better than seeing the pictures. But I know that I have them. You know what I mean? So it's like one of those things. Same thing. I like I I don't make music to suck at it on top of it, but I don't (laughs) make music to like do anything other than like, man, I really have this sound in my head. How do I make it? Yeah, because I suck at music, dude. Like I have fifty guitars, and I'm bad at playing all of them. <laughs> and, but it's just about like it really isn't about. I got to get really technically good at guitars. Like I really want to make this sound or this. Or I want to make a sound feel this way. How do I do it? Yeah, and that could be just like playing through a gazillion pedals and just warping it so it becomes something totally different. I think it's just expression for me. It's like what I like doing. It's like perspective, dude. Like it's getting different perspectives from different people, different. Like that, it changes the way that your brain works. You know that, and like doing mushrooms, but uh, <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, but no, like the you know, like have having your your brain kind of like uh, given access to like these different types of creative kind of changes the way that it fires, and like you know, with the, like everything else, with more experience in that world, like you you, pers- you kind of pursue things a little differently. Yeah, and I think that. This kind of segues perfectly into something else that I've been talking about recently, and it was specifically revolving around identity. There has been this very like monolithic, pick one thing and yep. be great at it approach, as opposed to now there's the opportunity to be great at multiple things or good at various things and still be able to A, be happy, mm-hmm. B, deliver on whatever you know work you need to deliver on, yep. and C, feel like you are comfortable in your own skin. Yeah, totally. I think that's like both... Uh a thing like that has to do with generational progress. My parents were super grateful for the opportunity they got when they moved here to Miami from Cuba, right? And then after that, you know, they, the, the, what they instilled in me was like work ethic and like you, you better bust your buns harder than anybody else to get the opportunity because nobody, nobody's going to give it to you, right? Yep. I think like one thing that's interesting is like as you know, like I said, like the generational growth, like people are less interested in, in that. Like, oh, you got to bust your buns harder than anybody. It's like now it's about refocusing to what you said, expression, what genuinely makes people happy. And I can tell you with certainty that's not going to work, like, you know. But it, like for me, it was finding a hole that I was like content with, and, you know, and like, I, you know, right now in my career, I'm like totally happy, right? Because I have the ability to be creative, you know, as we keep maturing, I hope that it changes the way that industry leaders, you know, run the industry. Don't think it will. I said it, but it's a bottom line business and it'd be silly to think otherwise. But it's a it's a beautiful idea. I hope it works. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it at like least that... starts creeping its way. I think it's already at least in the ether of conversation. It's just a matter of it being more accepted and yeah. more, you know, 
actually implemented in terms of the, the way that certain companies operate. That's going to come with, you know, millennials getting those leadership positions and even more when Gen Z enters like full force into, into that arena. I think we're going to see fundamental change in the way that business is approached. I did a project that I got to go to Kentucky and shoot um, this mock government um, with, with, you know, Gen Zers, right? And, uh, you know, I went with Josh Silva, who's a DP, um, great friend of mine, super talented dude. We both know him. Yeah, of course. course. He works with us at BTA. We've worked on plenty of projects. He's, uh, you know, super collaborative. But we we were only supposed to film there one day. You know, we got there the first day and Josh was holding the camera. And, like, I just remember both of us, like, we, like, looked at each other in this moment. We're like, we have to shoot for, like, two days straight because this is, like, incredible, right? And seeing the duality of these these kids, right, and what you would consider to be a very red state, you know, they're, they're kids, right? They're in high school, just starting out in high school, and they're just wearing suits and everybody's just like proper and then you got me with like fucking armholes asking you questions and they are like more they're genuinely more like their answers are, are so they were so good right they were so um well researched and seeing that duality I'm like i'm sorry but when i was their age i was doing some dumb shit yeah like straight <laughs> up like these people are like really taking control and and not only that they've had They've grown up with this technology, so they know how from an early age to maneuver it. Yeah. Like, I, I still I like use Instagram like an old person, you know. Like I'm I like when I say I consume content, I straight up consume it. I don't I don't partake in it, mm-hmm. but I love the consumption of it, and I love the mentality switch um, by every generation. I think it's so cool, you know, to like immerse yourself in that. Not only because you learn more stuff, but it it. For me, it's always about what makes me better with human beings. Like, that's the one thing that we'll all have to do forever is, like, interact with each other. So my whole experience has always been, like, what's going to make me better with people? Yeah. And I think something else that's tied into all this is mental health Mm -hmm. and how I think there's just been a higher strain on it because as we're entering, like, post-industrial, highly technological Mm -hmm. and less labor-intensive workforce... You know, we're just thinking and coming up with ideas and, and, and it's a lot of strain on your brain and, and there's a lot of pressures that come with it. So I think that we all have kind of had a different conversation and a different experience with mental health and how to like avoid burnout. Yeah. How do you, you know, make sure that you take care of yourself and are able to then, you know, continue living a life that isn't, uh, you know, doesn't feel draining. And I don't, I don't know if you have anything to oh, add to that. Oh my God. Yeah, yeah too, totally. Yeah. I like, I, I think. I think it's instilled in, what was instilled in me at a very early age is like hustle dude hustle hard and you'll get those those opportunities and and my parents were right like I did hustle I, I busted busted ass hard I worked free you know like I worked as hard as I could to get those those chances but part of that is understanding to your point how much of yourself to put into that right and I struggled I still do struggle with how much of myself am I giving to these creative projects for work Right. And that's different in and out of work, but it's knowing where to draw boundaries. And like, I didn't have them, you know, like I was just like every project. It was like, okay, cool. I'll work overtime. Oh, okay, cool. I'll do this. Like, oh, okay, cool. I'll eat shit for another, you know, 48 hours. And at the end of it, like, yeah, you end up with a fucking panic attack and in the hospital, dude, like that shit happens. But so it's like you either you find those boundaries by experiencing them yep. or you you learn and I think that's what, what's what's really interesting about like people coming to the workforce now they're like no fuck you 
eat my shit. And yeah. I love that attitude because that's exactly what people should be saying. Like, sorry, I don't care. I'm a human being. I got to eat dinner. Like, I don't need to sit on this edit session. Like, you got 50 other guys here. Yep. What is that? You yeah. know, like, and nothing that we do, sorry, as advertisers is, is that important. Correct. Period. Like, that's just a fact. Yeah. Right. So the approach of, of, of these, again, it's a bottom line business. So when you, when you, it took me forever, took me till I was 32 to realize that when you, when you approach it that way, you're like, okay, cool. Here's my cutoff. Cause this is what you're paying me. Yep. I never knew that. Yep. Absolutely. And so I think that perfectly kind of guides us into the next, you know, topic that I wanted to discuss. Which one of these? So pointed, pointed <laughs> this out little me. box over here, Jesus which is about Christ. insights and <laughs> everything you've learned over the years. And I, obviously avoiding burnout or, yeah. or learning what your boundary is, is one of them. Are there any other insights that maybe you could tell your, you wish you could tell someone that was in your shoes 10 years ago, just entering in, into a production role? I think what the cool thing, and like, like I said, and I, I think the generational progress is interesting, but one thing that I see a lot of is people coming into the work, uh, work field as, um, as, as kind of feeling like they're owed something that's not true either um you do have to kind of work for those things but like one of those things that i'll I like i wish i learned was like where to put boundaries that's i wish i had that at an earlier age <clears throat> it's like a pro and con thing though because i if i didn't if i did have those boundaries i don't think i would have the same opportunity yeah so it's a catch-22 you know um something else that i that i kind of wish that i would have told myself is to like really prioritize um you know your own creative pursuits i think like you know looking back I have a lot of respect for, for filmmaking, right? That's where kind of like my genuine, you know, passion came from. And I see, you know, some of these pursuits that are like haphazardly started or like I just got to this point or I got to a script, but I never finished it or I got to this, but I never, like I look back against some of the movies that I really appreciate now and I'm like, Damn, I had that same idea like five years ago. And that's to say like they made it better 100% because like, I, but to feel that you're like on to something and yeah. then like not finish it is like the biggest, I feel like the biggest downside to like giving yourself fully to, to like work, whatever. So that's the two things like don't burn out. <laughs> don't have a panic attack. The doctors will look at you funny. And then, uh, and then yeah, do, do your, do the things that like really just make you stoked to be alive. Cause like at the end of the day, that's all you have. Absolutely. Nobody cares about your work. <laughs> yeah. And I guess as we wrap it up, are there any, uh, you're, you said you consume a lot of media. Are there any pieces of content, any films, any books that you've uh, read recently that you feel are worth sharing or that people yeah. should kind of like tune in on? Well, I think like what's one, well, yeah, I'll start with a film. So uh, Everything Everywhere All at Once has been uh, e easily the best film I think I've ever seen in my entire life. Um, it's it's so well written it's well directed it's well choreographed it's well acted and it's got the most refreshing idea i've ever seen or heard of in a like it, it's amazing and this also just so happens to employ my favorite philosophical idea of existential absurdity uh and all of these kind of pathways of existence so i, I love that movie it's a little out there but it's easily one of the best movies i've ever seen who, uh, who directed it oh my god or who was maybe there, it's a directing oh my god i totally forgot they're directing partners but it's the the partners that did like swiss army man it's an a24 film it's like like i said it's incredible i forgot the director's name That's no is, is there is there any like specific uh 
streaming platform that people can watch on or, well, or right, watch it online? Right now it's on it's in theaters, which oh, is like theaters. kind of cool to see that come back. Cool. Like I had a super strange interaction at the theater. It was like getting well, go to the theater and I was like one of those ones that they're like, Oh, you grab a beer or wine or whatever. So I'm like at the bar grabbing a shot of tequila and a beer before <laughs> a movie, which is a strange <laughs> uh and I ended up talking to the guy there and he was you know, he's a writer as well as studying film in, in Miami Dade and like we exchange numbers and I'll, you know, probably give him a shout. Like nice. that, that, that to me is like the biggest, the best part about being a producer traveling out or whatever. Uh, another thing, um, I guess a book that I've been reading aside from the Dave Grohl book, which is incredible. Like if you like Foo Fighters or appreciate Dave Grohl's music, like he's so cool and getting to like hear him write from his head sounds interesting and it really is it's an interesting book. But there's this other uh, book by Laura Gomez that I'm reading now um, that is pretty much a kind of a history of America and kind of like Latin America, which I find, you know, was one thing that I kind of struggled with being born. Well, not struggled with, but I was born in Miami, raised by Cuban parents, went to school in Davie um, and really worked in Fort Lauderdale, did did some general market work. Like I kind of felt like there was always this detachment from my root. Mm hmm. So reading this, I felt like was an important uh, part of me reconnecting with that kind of part of myself. So yeah, that's a it's a great book. Um, I don't know the title, but I'll give it to you later. Cool. It's one of my have a shitty memory. So thanks for bringing that out on this podcast. <laughs> no, no, it's it's part of it. <laughs> I mean, that's I, I felt like, and we've talked about this on other episodes. It's like uh, I think also going over a pandemic kind of like gives you a little bit of brain fog and, and things become a little bit more. Just, yeah. So you, you kind of start retaining things that are more present in mind and like those other things go to the back. Dude, I've, my my problem has always been that I'm just like so verbose that I get lost in my own thoughts, dude. Like <laughs> I just start going and I like I have too many ideas. I'm like, where was I? Five seconds <laughs> ago. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, I'm just torched, dude. My brain's mush. Cool. I mean, we usually wrap it up by asking if, if there's anywhere people can follow you or any website, any. Uh, but I know that you said you're not really posting any. I content, mean, but... look, I do. I do post some of the work that I'm proud of. I mean, there is my site is my name. So www.gusgomez.com. Uh, and then my Instagram handle, which I haven't posted since like fucking like two years ago, <laughs> um, is my name backwards. So it's S-U-G underscore Z-E-M-O-G. So Sugzemog, which is a pretty cool name. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like I like that name. I may just go by that name now. <laughs> All right, man. Well, thank you for coming on. I appreciate yeah. it. Thank you for all of these things. <laughs> um, can I see more? Yeah, there's plenty of sketches in there. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, look at all these ideas, bro. That's crazy.